the title of this evening's Dharma talk is Borrowed Elements. So what is being pointed out here is who you, what you are, your body, body, speech, mind, this whole con, uh, uh, togetherness we call our selves, our body, mind, elements, earth, earth, water, fire, air, all of the elements come together to form this body and that it is sustained by eating other living bodies. Even if it's carrots, it's still something that is alive. You can't live very long on eating rocks. I think you can eat dirt for a little while. At least four-year-olds think you can. So what is being referred to here is that we, who you are, whatever you've been for the last 10, 15, 20, 30, or 45, 50 years is borrowed. Just a way of talking about it. This is not yours. You borrowed this. And you're going along and you try to keep it in good shape because you might want to trade it in. We'll see how that goes. So what's being emphasized uh, quite often as human beings that we disregard is the, the fundamental uh, state that we're in is impermanence. Things are not going to last. All compounded things, anything that comes together, whether it's a, a newly born baby or whether it is the food that a person 80 years old is eating, things that come together are going to come apart in some way. Maybe with great difficulty, maybe with complete relaxation and uh, gentleness. It will not last. Nothing lasts. And this is one of the three marks of, ex of existence as the teachings of the Buddha, that everything is without a self, no solid self or identity, even though we keep trying to build up our flimsy identity, our discontinuous identity. So no self, no solid self, uh, and whatever is there, consciousness is there, is dissatisfied. We're never really satisfied. If you get something, then we're not, we want something else. And if we get too much of something, we don't want that much. We want less, we want more. We want something else. Desire. We desire, we crave something else. And it's interesting that sometimes if we get the very thing we wanted, that's not exactly what we wanted. We wanted a blue one, not a red one. Or what we got is starting to go away or starting to disintegrate. Impermanence. So we're unhappy. And then the third one, of course, is all compounded things will vanish. Everything that is, uh, that is born goes down. So they're borrowed. Now who's who's doing this borrowing? Who's borrowing these uh, these elements and uh, that show up as the six sense fields? That shows up as form, feeling, perception, concepts of the thinking process and consciousness of the six sense fields and the objects that arise in them: sounds, smell, sight, taste, touch, thought patterns etc. So it's kind of on loan, you could say. And the reason this uh, image is used, at least the reason I'm using this, is to encourage you to help you look more deeper into what you think you are, who you think you are. Look deeply and see if there's a solid ongoing person here who is uh, going to last. See if there's anything that's going to last. So how's that going? You looking? 
So this is why we, in this particular tradition, why we train our mind so that we won't get snagged or caught by uh, our errant energy of wanting something else, wanting to fulfill our desires, want to get something, want to go after something, the kind of materialistic outlook that the whole world is flooded with. I want a lot of that, but I don't want that. And we get caught up in that, uh, caught caught up in that spinning situation, and then our emotions and our hopes and fears all get wound up in that, and we we suffer. We might have some times when we're feeling pretty good, and maybe life is going pretty good, but it, nothing lasts. It doesn't last. <coughs> So there's a teaching in, in Buddhism that I think is important at this point to point out that who you actually are, you could say the borrower of the elements, if you wanted to be very literal about that metaphor, who you actually are does not come into existence, is not born. And what is, a way of saying it is, what is unborn is also unceasing. Just another way of talking about it. And you can't find that. If you, if you try to find out what that is, you'll keep running into stuff, more and more phenomena. Am I this? Am I that? What am I? Who am I? What is this? What is going on? Unborn, unceasing, and the metaphor that's used quite often is with a nature like the sky. Unborn, unceasing. It's like nothing there. Just clouds coming and going. Coming and going, impermanence. Thoughts coming and going, impermanence. But we begin to get attached to those forms, those emotions, those feelings, those memories. We build up an identity. I'm the person who's thinking this. I'm the person who's feeling that. And we give ourselves a hard time and anybody in our circle of friends in our milieu, in our family, in our community, they have a hard time too in relating to us. We're having a hard time. And they have a hard time. Or they might be trying to help us with our, stop having a hard time. Or they might lecture us. Try to correct us. Something they do might be triggering something in us that makes us feel upset or irritated constantly going on. Wanting things to be different than they are. This is the basic teaching of the Buddha 2,500 years ago. The first thing that he said, uh, as far as we know, who knows? I wasn't there for sure. Life is suffering or discontent or dissatisfaction. And the cause is, simply put, wanting things to be different. Wanting whatever's happening, not wanting that. Wanting something else. getting that down? Good. What did I say? Life is suffering. So the Buddha said life is suffering. Yeah, I, the Buddha said that. And the cause is wanting things to be different than they are. Yes, desire, craving, wishing for something else. And it's, We're not saying this is wrong and you shouldn't do that necessarily. We're just saying, what is it about? Be, be aware of the way in which your uh, slightly discontent with everything. It eventually, if you look at that long enough, it eventually becomes a dissatisfaction that you have no idea what you even want. That's really irritating. Then you have to come and ask me, what do, what do I want, Soka-san? And I will say, I don't know, what do you think you want? So the metaphor, the idea there that uh, the, the elements are borrowed is just a way to help us look at this situation, these uh, fire, earth, water, air, just a way of talking about the elements. This compounded situation of being a human being, we get so attached to this, 
we actually begin to think that we are uh, a physical form, that that, that is who we are. Uh, we begin, you, you begin to find out how attached to that you may be. Please don't lay down. Thank you. you begin to, if I lay down to teach. I'm sorry, I was just going to. You're what? I was packing my bag. Oh, okay. Well, you can sit in the chair if that works. You don't have to apologize. Just don't lay down. Thank you. So it's helpful to use that that idea of looking at the body is impermanent. Actually, and then you could also, uh, if you're a meditator, if you're sitting down holding still and you're watching the thoughts come and go, they're impermanent. The most horrible, difficult emotion that can come up caused by or triggered by something else or some other situation will not last. It's impermanent. It, it, but when it's happening, what? Well, it feels like it's gonna never going to go away. Won't this ever stop? Like a bad cold. Won't this ever go away? Darn, what did I do to deserve this? We actually do that. We actually have these little commentaries. Well, you probably hugged the wrong person. <laughs> you hugged a bad person, a contaminated person. Don't do it. Just hug people who are healthy. <laughs> Causes and conditions are untraceable. We can't. We can't find the first cause for anything. You can see something happen, you can see something else cause it, but you can't find what caused the cause, or what caused the cause to cause the cause. I can keep going, but it'll sound like a bunch of crows. <laughs> Sitting practice and meditation is about taking this form that wants to be running around, moving, shifting, thinking, doing different things, calculating, trying to figure out how to get ahead, how to not fall behind, and holding it very still. Sit very symmetrically, hold very still, and watch everything that is asymmetrical, very symmetrical, and observe the asymmetry of the thought patterns coming and going and liking and not liking, it's good, it's bad, it should be, it shouldn't be. On and on, it's just on and on and on. If you continue to watch that enough, your own uh, insight into that will begin to become very clear about you can't find a solid, separate thing anywhere. It looks like that. Initially, it looks like there's lots of things, but eventually it's like, it's almost like the your mind kind of, your your vision or your senses kind of go out of focus and you just see this. It feels, to the ego, it feels like not knowing. But to the wisdom mind, it doesn't matter. The wisdom mind isn't looking for something else. It's the ego that's looking for something else. <clears throat> From the point of view of these teachings, you cannot experience perfection. You cannot experience enlightenment. You cannot experience realization or any of that. Because it's not separate. You can only experience something that is separate from the experiencer. If the experiencer is experiencing this, there's separation going on. And it's, uh, it shows up more and more as warfare of some kind. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can't find what you're looking for. Uh, the famous uh, Advaita teacher of the last century, Papaji, would say, give up the search. I wouldn't say that. I would say, just notice that you're searching. 
just notice that you're looking for something else. And I can say there isn't anything else, but I'm not asking you to believe that. I'm just saying you could use that and you could turn it around and say, is there something else? Is there something to find? Is there something that's worth pursuing? Shut up. What you just said reminds me of that quote from, from Rumi, the what you seek is seeking you. <laughs> so if we can't find what we're looking for, what's looking for us? Exactly. exactly. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I like that. It's good closure. Oh, you're welcome. And what this, uh, what Rumi's, uh, the quote that uh, Rumi, not our little Rumi, but the ancient Rumi, uh, although our little Rumi might say that at some point. Um, what was it he said? What you are seeking is seeking you. What you're seeking is seeking you. This is just another way of saying that you're not separate from anything. What you're looking for is looking for you. And when you find what you're looking for, uh, that will have found you. It's not separate. It's not separate. I'm not saying it's not separated, obviously. I'm over here uh, having my ideas, thoughts, feelings, emotions, or whatever. You're over there having yours. There's definite separation. but fundamentally not separate. And that understanding, uh, with that understanding, there, there aren't any more questions. There's, there's just this. And even the, just this may show up with all kinds of bright colors and separations and divisions and everything, but there's no warfare anywhere. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't it be good to not have any warfare? Even if you're in the midst of people who are fighting, that you can't be snagged. Your, your clarity is so strong. Your, your certainty that is not based on causes and conditions. You don't need any proof for this. I have no proof. I have no credential for getting up here. Yes, sir. Is there a difference between that certainty you're talking about and stubbornness? Yes. Are we able to recognize that difference? No. You can recognize the stubbornness in others. <laughs> You've probably noticed that. Some people are just so stubborn. Yes. Can we only recognize things in others that are just reflections of ourselves? Exactly. More? Less? Yes. Um, when you talk about things not being separate, is there still a better and worse, like with warfare or no warfare? If they're not separate, is there still one that should be sought after and one that should be worked with? Say, say a little more. I'm not clear on what you're asking. Uh, I'm trying to understand, and just using that example of warfare and not being at war anymore, mm -hmm. if the actual um, situation of no warfare is superior, if there's a quality there that is not present within no warfare. And a little more context, I guess. Thank you. Talking about just like third turning teachings, that yeah. becomes confusing to me. The degree to which they talk about things not being separate, mm -hmm. that sometimes I'm unclear about how far that goes or what precisely that means. Goes all the way. The confusing part is, is that uh, not seeing that the separations are not separate. The very separations that you're looking at all the time that, that, that we use to impute that there's somebody over here witnessing something over there. That, that uh, it's, uh, we feel like, we may feel like we need to get away from 
are separative kind of mind and go into some kind of ideal kind of, uh, you know, um, that kind of thing. Some kind of feeling of no separation. And that would be spiritual materialism. Yes? Is the warfare then still just um, just one point on the path? Yeah. What but is ultimate no warfare? Pardon me? What is the ultimate situation when, with no warfare? Ultimate no warfare is, is not, not separate. Warfare and no warfare not being separate. And how do you do that? You see, if you see, you can see the warfare, but you can't see no warfare. If you see the warfare, that is, that is no warfare. Because you, if you see the delusion, the Buddha saw the delusion, and, and this was his awakening. wondering about um, what is the the case or what is the situation that arises where warfare and no warfare is beside the point what is that revolution or that change where there can still be sanity regardless of whether there's war or not so what's the question then I understand what you're saying what is the fundamental Shift or change. No position. No, nothing is. Nothing's gained. There isn't anyone to gain anything. There isn't anything else. The, the else part is gone. The the, the the empty of other teachings are just that. Uh, Shentong. Is there, the, everything is empty of its otherness. It's there, there's there's nothing but this. So it's empty of other. But it, it's not just something we concept, conceptualize and think about. And it's something that's, that's seen, and then you might have to back up into it and say, this seems to apply here. There isn't anything else but this. And that includes even the otherness. It doesn't leave anything out. So therefore, it, it isn't a philosophy. It's just the truth. And we tell that occurs where there is no one um, no experiencer yes uh, is it important that we still work with losing the war it's important to just observe just watch what happens just look just watch no no addition no subtraction no divide no no addition no uh, subtraction no no elaboration it's it feels like don't know don't know don't know don't, don't, don't want, don't need, don't object, don't agree, don't. It's, a, it's a, a kind of a negative kind of approach that it doesn't leave anything out. And it's not like you don't care. Uh, the, the caring and the consideration for the whole thing is even more powerful. Wisdom is empty and, and love is full and they're not separate. If there's a way to just stay with the initial situation, no, no, because if you're staying with something, that implies that it that it it could go away, or or you could leave it, or it implies some kind of a basic uh, separation that's uh, that hasn't been seen through. Go ahead. When we talk about the path, we often talk about ways to work with negativity, work with warfare, yes. work with, but it. It sounds like you're saying that working with it doesn't lead to a point. So what is that action or that work that is occurring that doesn't actually lead to something else? So the work uh, is in, uh, that is involved there is just not making things worse. It's taking the, the, the very... Um, difficulty or confusion that is there and just observing it. Not adding on to it with your ideas, opinions, not coming up with bright ideas about anything, but just observing that. And then you may awaken, you may not. Is there any actual progress on the path? No. 
there is initially. First, there's when we first start, the Hanayana path is uh, we, we make progress because we begin to realize that there actually is no solid self in the skandhas. There's no, even though there's form, feeling, perception, memory, and consciousness, that there's no solid being there. So that's kind of a startling thing, perhaps. But would that be considered progress? And again, I'm thinking of what we talked about this morning about there was that passage that said something about if you get a flash of bodhicitta and then you start to think that others are inferior, that mm-hmm. you've seen something that they haven't. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering about what progress is if it's not separating yourself because you've seen or understood something somebody else has not. Well, we need to start somewhere. So it might, it might show up as that with different people depending on the karma that comes together as your particular life, your your mind, the way you're working with your, your feelings, your emotions, your particular karma. So one would continue uh, and it may have, it'll have its gradations. There's all kinds of explanations for this. There's the five paths and there's the the ten boomies and there's just all kinds of things that lay that out and you can use that if you if you need to or you can just uh, continue to sit down and strengthen stretch your awareness and continue to look and look and look look at the confusion if you try to correct the confusion or fix it then you're you're going to start to go in circles it needs to be just observed and that's difficult because the ego mind the self-centered mind feels worse could feel worse and worse and worse. It's like it's, uh, and the reason it feels worse is it knows that it's uh, it's starting to look at its own funeral. What does it mean to give somebody the benefit of the doubt who has a misunderstanding about what you're doing? Just, just don't meddle with them. Don't meddle with someone's uh, karma respect people's confusion because in order for them to for any person to transcend or become or uh, work with uh, samsara or the negativity of one's karma in a, in a way that, is, that can be healthy is you have to respect your your confusion so we start by respecting people's confusion otherwise you can't help them because then then, uh, then they'll dis- disrespect themselves also more. Uh, yes, <clears throat> uh, Tammy from Muskegon. Yes. She says, um, I think my thoughts were feeling this talk. It's exactly what I was swirling in my mind. I think my consciousness, what, quote, I am, end quote, is a mix of soul spirit constantly moving in this energy I'm using. Does that make sense? Kind of. And then a question from uh, from Don from Virginia. He asks, um, how do we uncover confusion without seeking? Just look at the confusion. And, and don't necessarily add on uh, onto the looking, how am I doing? Am I seeing the confusion? Am I getting any better? Am I less confused? Am I more confused? Don't do anything with it. Just observe. It's very much like watching clouds in the sky. Interesting, sometimes fascinating, but none of your business. Treat your thoughts as if they're none of your business. Because if you, tr- if you believe your thoughts, you're going to spin... And I'm not condemning you to anything, but then then you're actually fighting with the karma that needs to come into manifestation for you to have a realization of what this is. Don't fight your karma. Don't agree with it. Don't look away from it. Difficult. Andrew. Is just observing anything like waiting for what is seeking you to find you? It might have a feeling of waiting. It can get kind of uh, monotonous. 
you're doing it correctly. I think it's kind of a, the, the feeling that people have a lot doing a lot of sitting meditation is that it's uh, the, the, the downside is that it's difficult or, or um, maybe irritating or something. But the, the upside is you're actually weaning yourself away from the need, the constant demand for some kind of entertainment. So some kind of need to be filled up with some kind of activity. So you're actually sitting and you're just watching the grasping, rejecting. You're watching passion, aggression, and ignorance happen in the, in the mind stream without necessarily buying into any of it. Negativity arises, don't second the motion. Positivity uh, arises, whatever it may be. Don't second the motion. Don't do anything with it. Don't add, subtract, divide. Do no math at all. Sit down, hold still, and just observe. More. Jinchu. If anger comes up, um, I notice I have some little commentary in my head that says just see it or just feel it. Is that, how is that not just observing it? Well, there's a little bit of a, a mini lecture going on. Something happens and you tell yourself, just observe that. Or you, or you, or you say to yourself, well, that's just thoughts. Well, I don't have to believe that. And, and so there is a, a process as we practice that eventually that kind of wears out. So you don't have to stop doing that. Just be aware that when something arises, you're aware of what arises, then you're aware that you just added something to it. You don't have to stop doing that. Just be aware that you do that. And then at some point or points, that stops getting fuel because you're not seconding the motion. You're not, you're not adding on to it with further and further elaboration and commentary. If the body is very still without being rigid, it's much easier to see this uh, uh, activity of the mind, which leads to further confusion in our every uh, post meditation or our everyday life. On the cushion, uh, seems to be possible to see deeply the way we keep fueling the original kind of chaos of the original disturbance, and and different with each person. So there's no um, no one kind of uh, situation that fits everyone. More. Look like to actually observe something without the internal instruction to observe it. Yeah, good one. <clears throat> You'll be unconcerned with it. It'll be more like a cloud passing by. And to, this doesn't mean that you won't see that it's a very dark, threatening kind of cloud. So you won't miss that part, but you won't add on some kind of commentary on it necessarily. It'll have its own, uh, its own, uh, its own quality that you don't accept, reject, or turn away from. Go ahead. If there's fear of that anger um, expressing itself, of it doing what? Expressing itself, yes. does that mean it isn't being observed? No, uh, not necessarily. There's just it, more work to be done. In other words, more uh, practice of just uh, being uh, alert and not particularly pushing or pulling, not doing anything, just being very alert to what's happening. And there's probably going to ha be some fear come up. But that can be included. That's just another thing to observe. That's coming up with that. And there's no guarantee you, you may express that. Unlikely. If this is happening in sitting practice and meditation, unlikely that you're going to do much at all with it. Holding very still, sitting symmetrically, and just watch what, what arises. It comes and goes and comes and goes. Yes. Uh, from Tayo up in Traverse City, he asks, if there is no progress on the path, what happens when we continue on the path? Well, you make more progress. 
That darn Tayo trips me up every time. I thought I could hide that part of it, but I couldn't. And what I'm what I'm saying here is a, the idea of latching on and tightening down on progress and making it some kind of an agenda about your path. That's the, the difficulty. I'm not saying there aren't some changes. Of course, anybody who's practiced for a few days, few years, uh, a few months, or whatever is going to notice some kind of a change. And what's happening? Sometimes it's uh, uh, it shows up in different ways. So let me say it this way: If you were to start sitting, say you'd never sat before, you start sitting tomorrow. Your first uh, six months months might be slowly and more and more feeling worse and worse and worse and worse. Is that progress? To me, it is because you're probably looking at the crap that you've been covering up for all this time. You're, it's finally come, showing up. But it might happen in different ways. It might happen that way for three weeks and then suddenly start to brighten up and look pretty good. And then you start to get feeling pretty up. I've finally gotten through the difficult spots and all of a sudden it just goes right in the tank again. This is why I don't talk about progress, even though it's all over the teachings. Part of the idea with progress is just to encourage people to practice because those who have practiced this and have some realization in this on this path uh, know that it's you have to support people doing this, and it's not easy. There very little, there's very little payoff from the point of view of ego or spiritual materialism to this. So it can be difficult, but I would say do it anyway. If you're going to live forever, if you're going to do it live forever, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't even be in here. I just well, about three or four hundred years, we'll probably stop making a, a nuisance of ourselves to everything. It would kind of, kind of wear out. But since you're going to die, either tomorrow or in 50 years or whatever it may be. And this very being that you're so attached to and enamored of that you love and you um, love and hate, I guess I should say, is, is going to end. It's going to end. So you're, this is kind of a preparation for that, uh, along with uh, working with our mind, our daily uh, uh, passion, aggression, and ignorance that causes us uh, problems. So that sometimes that... If we were to use the word progress, yeah, there's something like that, but it's good not to focus on that because people have different ideas. Uh, one idea of progress is that you're going to feel better and better, but whose idea of progress is that you're going to feel worse and worse? That's also progress because you, you could be uncovering the very uh, uh, mountain of uh, uh, tarantulas that you've been avoiding for the last three lifetimes. Any further questions? Hugh? This uh, emotions or strong emotion that comes and goes, is that watching borrowed elements come and go? Well, maybe a little bit because it, it would be air quality of, of thought patterns coming and going. So a little bit of that have a, the whole construct, the whole matrix of uh, the sensorium is all working together as a, as a apparent living being with body, speech, mind, the six sense fields, uh, sense of touch, sense of taste, um, sense of form, perception, and all of that. So something coming up, watching it come and go, is uh, basically your introduction. If you watch it and don't add to it, subtract from it or judge it or do anything with it, it's actually showing you a permanence. It's just like a thought, it's just like a living being being born and passing away. Don't do anything with them. More about that? If we see an element of that, or... No, I don't, I don't have a great question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I like that. I don't have any answers, so it worked out good. Another question from Tayo. What is progress? 
A lie. It's just relative truth. Sure, there's progress. We, we make progress. We get stronger. We get wiser. We learn a language. We're making progress. Now we can speak uh, fluent uh, uh, Portuguese, uh, Hawaiian. You know, we're, we're getting making progress. So, but it's a, it's relative. So, since it's relative truth, it won't last. So it's not substantial, and it could end at any time. I mean, you could learn. Someone could learn and become fluent in a language, and then get run run over by a truck. Is that progress? What happened to the progress there? Impermanence. Impermanence. It's not negative. Not, it's not a nihilism. It's not negativity. It's just reality. It's just a, you know, three uh, in the nineteen thirties, uh, millions and millions and millions of people were murdered by Stalin. They all had lives. They had futures. They had families. They. You know, had all and they're gone because of one crazy person. You could read about that in uh, what's that, Bloodlands. You can stand it. It's very difficult to read. Causes and conditions are. We're we're very lucky to be in a, in a room where there's no warfare going on. We're not the. The Gestapo is not going to be rapping on the door, as far as we know. Uh, hopefully, uh, we're not thought to be a threat in this little uh, town of uh, cornflakes. Of course, probably that people don't know about us. So here, here we are. What are we doing? We're not doing much. We're saying, train your mind, find out who you are, rather than just make assumptions about who you are and go on and follow your passion, aggression, ignorance. Uh, materialistically, scientific materialism, cultural materialism, 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 wanting something else, wanting something else, uh, leading up to and including greed. Yes. Um, Often you you tell us to not do anything unless we have to, and if we see something we might consider a bad trait, tell us not to necessarily stop doing that just to watch it. Yes. And at least from my experience, I see some things maybe change a little bit, like maybe not hooking up my vocal cords as much. Um, is there a byproduct of reconditioning that's part of the practice? <clears throat> if I might understand what you're asking about, yes, we're, we're kind of re, retraining ourselves to, to not you know, jump the gun or not, not uh, uh, exclude things or judge things. So we're, we're give it a little bit more time. It's called patience. Wait a little bit before we jump into something and clamp down or buy into something or, or reject something. Sometimes if, if somebody, I'm sure you've noticed, sometimes if somebody's acting in a way that's really negative that you that you think uh, uh, is uh, uh, a problem or you think they're blaming you for something or doing something, sometimes if you just wait, you find out that it's not that at all. It's some other situation. It has nothing to do with you. It completely resolves itself luckily before you opened your big gap yes do we fail to realize because we want to see things on our terms so that'd be a way of saying it yeah. Yeah. got a couple of minutes if there's uh, any of the new people have any questions you have a question yeah um. How do you guys view disease and things like that? Uh, view what? Disease. Like, my father was just diagnosed with Parkinson's. Yeah. Uh, well, nothing's going to last. Uh, and everything is has different. Uh, most of the people I know are already passed away. You know, I still have a few friends here and there, mostly young people. But uh, nothing lasts. And rather than looking at that as something wrong or something bad, it needs to be understood for what it is. Everything is impermanent. Everything is uh, going down. It can be very sad to lose someone that you deeply care for and love and are attached to, but uh, there's nothing incorrect about what's happening for your dad. And uh, we view it uh, as uh, something that is going to happen, but also something that we can uh, we can be supportive 
and uh, spend time with would spend time with your dad and um, you know tell him you love him and all of that. So probably doing that already. Yeah. Sorry, one more thing. Uh, sorry, you don't have to apologize. What? So suffering, what about suffering? Like, is that, that's not good or bad either? No, it's just the truth. So it's not, it's just, just comes and goes. It looks like it, but usually it's, uh, there's different forms of that. But uh, the important thing about that is to just look at it rather than uh, trying to run away from it, which creates more tension try to run up, run away or manipulate it or something like that. Yeah. Certainly. Train your mind. Just spend some time. You don't have to be a Buddhist. Sit down, hold still, and watch what the mind is doing. And that way you begin to uh, spend less and less time deceiving yourself. Pretty hard to deceive yourself if you're actually watching what your mind is doing moment by moment. Welcome. Thank you for the question. Yes, sir. Um, there's a question from uh, on the live chat from Greg in the UK. He asks, "Is the rainbow light body dissolution of borrowed elements? Is that a worthwhile goal?" <clears throat> it, perhaps it is. Uh, rainbow body uh, is a teaching that comes out of the Tibetan tradition. Um, have a teacher. Find a teacher that can help you with that particular. Um, different ways of different teachers have different ways of working with goal orientation, and a lot will depend on how how they have uh, have um, how their understanding works with their teacher or the lineage, or uh, so it varies. Yes, there's probably something to that, to uh, be more direct about the question. There, there's something about the material world uh, going up into light, because it's not really separate from light. This is just a really low vibration of light, in case you haven't noticed. I just discovered it myself 30 seconds ago. Yes. A question from Amber in Muskegon. Okay. She asks, um, what are the three worlds? Are they impermanent also? Yes, everything that you can point to is impermanent. Nothing lasts. It may last, granite may last uh, millions of years, but nothing lasts. So the three worlds, whether you're, whichever, you're talking about the past, present, and the future, you're talking about the realm of desire, the formless realm, and the realm of form, all of them will not last. They'll run out of steam eventually, some just uh, sooner than others. Yes, sir. Uh, what should we do with anxiety? Uh, hold still, meditate, hold still, and watch the anxiety. And do it in short doses. If, it, if sitting still causes you to get more anxious, uh, then uh, sit, down, sit down for you know, five minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever you can do. But if the anxiety gets really intense, then stop. And then get up and move around, go look out the window, uh, write a letter, um, have a cup of coffee or tea or something, relax a little bit, and then go back and then repeat, go back, go back, strike a bell. Don't do it with a, with a smartphone. Not a good idea. The smartphone will take over your life. So just sit down, strike a water glass with a spoon, hold still, and if the anxiety starts to come up again, then stop, and then go and take a little break, and, and then just keep increasing that, if you can. It might not increase right away. And if the anxiety is coming up in post-meditation, like when you're with, around a lot of people, then do it in small doses. Don't force yourself to, to overcome anxiety by pushing on it. Warfare is, never works. Uh, always uh, always uh, uh, cooperate with the anxiety. Anxiety is there for, uh, shall we say, a reason. Like it's one way of saying it, but I would call it in this practice, it is a Dharma gate for you. The negativity that comes up is the very thing you need to look at, but you don't have to storm the castle walls. You can do it a little bit, take a little bit of dose of it, and then come back, take a little bit more, a little bit more. Do it that way. Is that helpful? Okay. Very good.
So thank you so much. We'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our Red Champ books, and I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes in the hallway. We also accept donations uh, online through PayPal. Uh, also receive checks and uh, debit and credit cards. Please help us in whatever way you can. Thank you. Everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. 